You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Tech Fan Podcast 219. Tim Robertson, that's me, David Cohen, of course. And hey, here comes Owen again. Check it out. is tech fan number 219 and if you're looking at the show notes um yeah it's three of us this week david cohen of course hello david hello and we have owen back this week hello owen i was hitchhiking so i decided to stop by <laughs> <laughs> so it's been uh two weeks chad perry and i were supposed to do uh owc or i'm sorry uh, oops tech fan last week together and i actually went over there a couple days before to show him my mini arcade because uh, he hadn't seen it in person yet. And, you know, we've got these plans. We're going to do tech fan. I'm going to come over to his house with my portable recording gig uh, rig. And I text him on Sunday and went, oh, crap. <laughs> we both forgot. Right. But, it, you know, that happens. Not a biggie, though. We're here this week and uh, we're doubling down on the people. Got three of us. Cool stuff. So, um,. What you been up to, Owen? Work, 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 work. Yeah. How, how is the job? <laughs> I'm having a great time. Uh, it's uh, the commute sucks. It's on some days it sucks worse than others. It takes me about a fifty minutes to get there, but about an hour and a half to get back. Yeah, it depends on what time you leave. I would imagine. No, really. <laughs> so uh, someone has to explain this to me. So in the morning, between seven a.m. and nine a.m., traffic sucks. On either side of that, you can get there in about less than an hour. But coming back, it'll take an hour and a half whether you leave at 3 p.m. or you leave at 7 p.m. Wow. So where do all these extra cars come from? <laughs> uh, you know, I've had to drive in L.A. quite a few times this year, so I can appreciate that. And, of course, I've been driving through Chicago for four years. But there's always times that you can kind of make the run, as it is, at certain times of the day, and it's not a problem. There's times in Chicago I can get from one side of Chicago to the other in 20 minutes, no problem. <laughs> but there's other times that I, I don't go a mile in 20 minutes. It's just, you're just going to sit there. So you either stay at your office an extra hour so you don't have to sit in traffic for three hours, or you leave early, which isn't always a viable option. Yeah, well, early for me is before three, or late is staying till eight. Mm-hmm. I mean, those I don't get the traffic. I don't understand why there's more cars going back. Than there were going in the first place. <laughs> and it, is it possible to take public transport at all, Owen, or do you have to drive? I could. Uh, it would be planes, trains, and automobiles. So I would have to take my car to the BART station, BART to downtown San Francisco, a bus from BART to Caltrain, and then Caltrain to um, Mountain View, where the office is, and then it's a couple blocks walk. Uh, but you don't uh, want to do that. That takes two hours. Yeah, yeah. And you're not going to get a lot done on that trip either. They don't have Wi-Fi on the train. I mean, I can use my phone, but it just, like, really no Wi-Fi on a train, the train. You know? And when you're using non-Wi-Fi, you can still access the Internet and stuff um, over mobile on a train. Right. But you're right. roaming, and that's killing your battery. It's oh, yeah, like, it, you're moving fast enough where it's constantly looking for the next tower. Yeah. 
Yep, it does. Speaking of cell phones, let's, I want to talk about this for a few minutes. Because I've been following this story along for, I don't know, a couple weeks. Well, realistically, I've been following it for a few years now. For a long time, uh, iPhone users have compared Android to Windows when it came to security. And what's going on now, and the more I read, it's actually worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. I am amazed, (laughs) and we'll start with you, David. I'm amazed at how insecure and easy it now is to hack remotely from from a freaking text message uh, an Android phone and how unsecure this platform really is. And let's be honest. There's really nothing that Android or that that Google, the carriers, uh, anybody can do about it. Well, there is something they could do about it if they all got their act together. But, but that's not, impossible. Yeah, the nature of the platform. It's, I mean, you, you compared it to like Windows in the in the uh, in the late nineties, early two thousands. It's a lot worse than that because at least back then there was only one target. It was Windows, and Microsoft machine, could push out updates yeah. to all of their operating systems exactly. all of them and they but did it, all the time yeah. constantly but imagine imagine if back then every single computer manufacturer had their own version of windows and they were responsible for patching it that's the situation no nope, it's worse no no it's worse than that uh, imagine this microsoft says hey here's the fix and we're going to send it to dell except Dell isn't the one that uh, is ultimately in charge. They then send it to Best Buy, where you bought yeah, it from. That's right. Uh-huh. So yeah. it's three yeah. layers. Yeah. And I, I you know, uh-huh. Android is really trying to make a big push into enterprise and business, Owen. I don't see this. I mean, if you're a business owner or you're in charge of the infrastructure and, and handing out cell phones to your employees, You've basically got two choices now, right? iOS and Android. That's really the only two choices you have. Windows Phone definitely and also ran at this point in time. Exactly. They just don't have it's the app. Pretty good. It is pretty good, but they're an also ran. There's, nobody is rightfully even putting them in that category anymore. So if you have these two choices, iOS and Android, Android and all the tech presses are just getting hammered for these major, major security concerns. And you know all your employee is going to be handling sensitive data over the cellular networks now and Wi-Fi on their tablets, on their cell phones. Can you really at all justify Android? I would be very careful with it. I, I really would. I, Android has always had this problem that one app can affect another. And that's one of Android's biggest holes, in my opinion, that, that I can download an app and it can have a bug or, uh, or an exploit that lets me get at other apps that are on the phone. And I've, and I've always appreciated that Apple kind of sandboxes that. I know it pisses a lot of people off that they can't have an app that does some of the things Android does. But on the other hand, it makes it a bit more secure. What do you think? So, what do you think, Owen? Do you think that businesses are going to be eschewing Android in favor of iOS? You know, it's a good question. I mean, remember how long it took them to switch from BlackBerry to Apple, right? Do you still have BlackBerry in, in England, right, David? Yeah, they, their BlackBerry's are, are pretty much an also-ran. The people running BlackBerry here at the moment in the enterprise are people who historically were doing it and have never got around to moving away. Uh, and a lot of those are now starting to do that. Um, okay. In fact, we, we just got... 
Uh, we're just switching mobile contracts at work, and we just got a whole lot of trading prices for our devices. Uh, one of our users um, is a BlackBerry fan, so he has a, the BlackBerry Z10, which is their pretty much their most recent. If you, if you don't consider the odd stuff like the Passport, um, right. it's their their most recent kind of uh, iPhone-like smartphone. Um, and they are the iPhones, the even two-year-old iPhones. They offered us nearly two hundred pounds for the BlackBerry Z10. They offered us twenty-five pounds for <laughs> that. That tells you the, what what the BlackBerry demand is. So wow. uh, yeah. I mean, I was surprised when I was in when I was in the Middle East. I saw Blackberries everywhere, and when you went into the malls, there were Blackberry stores. They didn't have an Apple store in the big mall in Dubai, but they had a Blackberry store. And so I was surprised that Blackberry was seemed to still be kind of big outside the U.S. Mm, I think it's just because they're historically a little bit behind us when it comes to adopting new technologies. Um, you know, when I walk around that mall. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. I mean, they're way ahead on other stuff. But just, I was surprised by the phones that they were very popular. Everybody was carrying Blackberries. It was really strange to see. Hmm. That is odd. But I agree with you. I if I if I were in charge of IT, which I'm not in this company, but I would. You know, when we have people who are using BlackBerry, and uh, they always go, "Why are you still using iPhone? Because it has all these problems." Well, yeah, because it doesn't have security holes. That's why. You mean but they're still using Android? They're still using Android, and we just yeah. limit what you can do remotely. Yeah, but that—that's um, um, that's the counterpoint, really. I—I I mean, I've worked in in places you would expect to take security very seriously here in the UK, like police forces, and they're adopting Android. And it comes down to the fact that they can't, they don't think they can afford to do anything else. They look at the cost of the devices uh, and the cost of running them, and they decide that I don't, I don't think they really investigate properly but they decide that because the devices are more flexible and there's 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 more form factors available they decide that that they want and that they think they're cheaper they want android rather than apple um and the the problem with security is it's very easy to downplay it until you've been hacked it's so you know <laughs> it's not it, it's often not taken seriously because because the guys making decisions kind of take a oh well it'll be okay well here's uh, the thing it, it, especially in law enforcement or government officials, they don't, yeah. they're not going to know that they were hacked. It's not like a Windows PC <laughs> back in the day where all these pop-ups started popping up and you knew something was wrong or the thing started slowing down. They just got a text message from a stranger. They opened it. They didn't see anything. I don't know who this is, and they just delete it. Don't realize, boom, it, they've already been hacked. It's already over. Yeah. Right? And now the bad guys have access to all the information on that phone. They could watch... Uh, what web pages you're going to, what apps you're using, uh, passwords to your banking, passwords to secure VPNs into your police station or government agency. All of that is being done in the background. It's being transmitted over cellular networks to the bad guys. And the person holding the phone has no clue. They don't even know what's happening. So, Tim, one of the things I've seen happen, and, I, and we have a couple of friends who are in government businesses, you know, they work for large government organizations, they have two phones. They, they do not allow personal stuff at all to be put on the work phone. And that's, so these people carry around a pair of phones in their hands, one for personal stuff and one for work. Unfortunately, it only takes one person not to follow the rules 100%, and let's be honest, it, that's going to happen, no matter what yeah. they think, no matter how scary it is, no matter how many people they've fired in the past, it's still going to happen. It will always happen because yep. humans just make errors. 
Lack of judgment. It's just, I mean, that's just the way it is. There's a guy I work with, and he, he has an expression every time he turns on his Windows machine. Total cost of ownership. <laughs> you know, what's, yeah. what's it really cost you, right? Yeah. Yep. Tell, me, tell me about it. Somebody who's just been struggling to update a machine to Windows 10 in the last couple of days, I can, uh, well, let's, I can dig that. <laughs> let, let's transition to that. That's a good transition, David. Yeah. Uh, I personally updated to Windows 10 the day it came out. So it's been about mm-hmm. a week, a little over a week now. Um, I'm running it under, um, VM. I'm not, I don't, I didn't install it on a hard drive as the main operating system. Uh, and I did do an update. I didn't do a clean install because I've heard Mm -hmm. that that's kind of a pain in the butt. Um, what's your take so far on windows 10? So the upgrade process has been really quite hard for a number of reasons. Um, basically to, to, get the free upgrade you have to upgrade you actually have to upgrade a machine the way it works now in the past you would type in a product key and that product key will be activated and uh, then you'd be good to go so that meant if you have the product key you could actually take a cd or a dvd or a usb key you could wipe the hard drive in the machine and install from scratch as long as you had a valid product key you were good to go this way it doesn't work because they're offering this free upgrade to anybody as far back as windows 7 you have to upgrade the old system to get the product key registered because what happens now is instead of you typing in the product key microsoft generates one and then they store it at their end on their servers and anytime you activate your it recognizes your actual physical machine and says no you're you're okay to run windows 10 forever so if you want to be able to do that if you try and install it off an iso or a dvd or anything like that it'll ask you for a product key and you don't have one and you can't install it so you have to do the upgrade so trying to do this on my um fairly low-end uh asus machine the one i talked about a few weeks ago uh the one that's effectively a modern netbook i had a lot of problems it doesn't have a lot of storage space and the errors you get unfortunately are not very helpful because it tends to be something will stop and it comes up with an error that says something happened and then it generates a code and you have no idea what happened and how you can try and mitigate it. So I actually went through this process several times before I actually got it installed and it was pretty frustrating. Once it's actually on and it's and it's running, it's it's a pretty good operating system. I'm really liking it. But actually getting through the upgrade process was, was not nice. Owen, have you updated to Windows 10? We updated on the, because we're MSDN subscribers, we updated a while ago. And amazingly, I was amazed how much stuff just ran. Uh, I agree with you, David. It was, you know, what could possibly go wrong updating your old system that's been running for four four years? Uh, So it bugged me as well. But in MSDN, we got keys. So I'm running both a clean install and an update install. And I'm impressed by the clean install. The it has some of the niceties of the look of Windows 8. It seems to be stable like XP, and it runs more like Windows 7. So, uh, you know, that, that whole Aereo thing or whatever it is with the boxes is now optional off to yeah. the side, which I really kind of like. And uh, it feels pretty good so far, knocking on wood, that hasn't have had, we haven't had any major problems, and all our programs just ran. So Yeah, for me, I was, uh, like I said, I was running Windows 8.1 under a VM on my Mac, and uh, the day that Windows 10 came out, I, I clicked the update. And now the version I'm running, running of uh, Windows 8.1, by the way, was a trial version uh, that came with... Uh, no, you know what? I take that back. I, I, I didn't update Windows 8.1. I was running the beta of Windows 10 on this right. VM. 
my Windows 8.1 machine is my arcade. So I was running this beta. I never paid for it. Yeah, they offered it free to anybody who took it, the beta. More even than that, uh, the reason I got it to begin with was uh, I downloaded the newest version of Parallels Desktop. And this thing came right up. Would, would, do you want to try Windows 10? It's free. <laughs> I clicked yes. It downloaded, installed it, no problem, and I was running it with no restrictions. So when Windows 10, the full version came out, I just updated it. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't have to pay for that either. So I've yeah. got Windows 10, never paid a dime for Windows. They, yeah. they want as many people running Windows 10 as possible. They I want think to that's avoid a- this thing. They want to avoid this thing where Windows XP was hanging around for years and years and years. So they are doing everything they can to give it to as many people as possible. I, I think you that's smart. Know, you do know that, that there are private companies and government agencies still paying Microsoft to support XP. I find that amazing. I, I'm aware of that. Yes. I just think it's hysterical. <laughs> and, and the reason for that isn't because they love Windows XP or that it's so stable because it's a stable operating system, but it's been hammered by viruses and malware forever. Uh, the reason that they're using it is because some of the programs that they're using in ah. government agencies are such legacy programs, there is no modern equivalent. And the companies yeah. that originally made those programs for them no longer exist. I get it. Okay. So it's yeah. going to cost them hundreds of millions of dollars to transition from these old software packages to something more modern. So can, uh, I, also, admit, yeah. can I admit that sitting right in front of me right now, is an old MacBook Pro in boot camp running XP. Yeah. For exactly that yeah. reason. X- XP was, up until now, I think XP was probably their best operating system. It was obviously the most adopted. But I'll be honest, I kind of like Windows 10. I think it's it's still early days, don't get me wrong. But yeah. it's kind of nice. I kind There's of dig kind it. Of up still. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how I feel a year from now. I, yeah. And look, I'm not using it every day. I, I launch it yeah. maybe once or twice a week for a couple hours tops. So I'm not the use case that Microsoft is looking for uh, to hammer this thing. And so they can start working out some of the very publicized bugs that cropped up in Windows 10 when it was first released last week. But nonetheless, I kind of like it. Are you getting yeah. the insipid ads in, in England, David, that we get here? Well, for Windows 10, they, yeah. they've not really uh, they've not really gone big on the on the Windows 10 advertising here. Not like they did on on earlier versions. Um, we are, there, there is the one, you know, uh, this child is yeah. living in the new age where they where they'll never know anything except Windows 10. That's kind of stupid. <laughs> Thanks, me uh, to go up. <laughs> yeah. I, I honestly I haven't seen one ad for Windows 10 yet. Oh, they show these kids. You know, wonder little babies wondering how they're going to grow up in this wonderful world because all they'll know is Windows 10. Well, here's the difference, though. Everything I've been watching for probably the last month and a half, I'm either watching something online on Netflix. I'm really into Orange is the New Black. I heard good things. I never watched it, so now I'm watching all three seasons. That's I'm good. halfway through the third season right now. Uh, and if I'm watching anything, uh, you know, cable-wise... It's on my DVR, so I'm just fast-forwarding. Wow. I haven't watched live TV in a couple months now. And I am still watching stuff on my Apple TV. My wife and I are watching a program, kind of <clears throat> consuming it all at once. It's a TV series uh, uh, on the Apple TV. So Which, I, which I'm, one? Uh, Amazing Race Canada Season 2. Oh. Yeah, I'm 
I torrented all the Amazing Races from all the other countries. Well, as long as you've segued to TV, you, uh, David, you probably heard it too over there that uh, Amazon bought um, Top Gear. Well, they they, well, they started the a guy. new show. Yeah, we were hoping it would go to Netflix, and they were going to call it House of Cars. Yeah, that would have been awesome. <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah, I'm I, of two. I'll, I'll let David jump in because this is a, a UK show. But real quick, I'm I'm of two minds here. I loved Top Gear. I loved it. It was one of my favorite shows. Although it was getting a little bit repetitive there in the last two years. It was like, okay, I've seen them do this kind of thing before. So I was really only watching it for these guys. And I really didn't care about the actor and the car and driving around the track. That's boring as hell. Uh, I I wanted these road trips they go on because uh, that's the best part of the show. That's what everybody wanted. And that's, that's what the American Top Gear has copied. They haven't copied any of the other stuff. They tried to at first. They saw it. Uh, this is terrible. So they're just doing these challenge shows. That's all Top Gear US is. But that being said, I was really bummed out to see that it was going to end because of Jeremy punching someone. So for him to get this huge payday and everybody seemed to be on his side, after he physically assaulted someone he worked with, I, I kind of feel a little icky about that, David. Well... I mean, this you can imagine, this has been debated endlessly in the media yeah. uh, over here. And, uh, you know, the cir- the circumstances of what happened, I'm not trying to justify what he did, but the circumstances of, of what happened were a little bit more than he just felt like punching a guy. This was, you know, it had been a long day. He'd made some specific requests about about food ahead of time, and the guy who he ended up hitting just hadn't done his job. Uh, and they got into an argument, and it got a little bit out of hand. Now, I'm not justifying it, but I think I think a lot of people can sympathise with being in that position, where you know you you you're, you're really tired, you're really upset, uh, you get in a row with somebody, uh, and then before you know it, it gets a little bit out of hand. Um, did he deserve Did he deserve to be sacked over it? I don't know, really. I think a lot of the criticism he's generated, and he, he, you know, part of his shtick is to be controversial. He said some things in the past, um, in one way or the other, that um, have allowed certain parts of the British media to criticise him as being not very politically correct and, and what have you. Again, it's part of his shtick. It's part of the humour of what he does is to be a little bit like that. He's almost a, a caricature of himself. I think the problem was he'd had a, some controversy uh, the bit, obviously he worked for the BBC, who is a, a public organisation here in the UK. Perhaps is held to a slightly higher standard, um, and uh, you know he ultimately paid the price for it. And you know, I what price did he pay? No, he but because I think he loved doing the show he was doing in the place he was doing it. Yeah, and the poor, is poor he, him. He, now he's, he's got to go do it for a private organisation well, and well, make five yeah, times but, as much money. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit um, less clear cut than that. He's not just the host; he's one of the producers of the show. There was a lot of people who worked for him and his team, right, including the other presenters, but not just that. There was probably a hundred, hundred and fifty people in the production company who all lost their jobs when the show stopped on the BBC. There's no guarantee that all of those people are going to be able to come back because of the length of time that's gone between this deal and that. And I think that's more of what, what he was upset about. You know, he, he, said, he said afterwards, the first time he, he made a, a public statement on this afterwards, he said, look, I was a colossal idiot. I did something really stupid, and I've, I've kind of I've lost the dream job that I've always had, and it's completely and utterly my own fault. 
you know, he, he was pretty contrite about it, really. Yes, you know, look, this is a he's finally, so they've been offered a, a new deal with Amazon um, and with the same production company and everything. There's no guarantee it's going to be a success yes, like it was on the BBC. There's no, well, there, there are no guarantees. You don't know what, you don't know what Amazon will do to it. It it will it will be huge at the start. There's no guarantee it's going to be as good or as successful or as 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 long as long lived as it was on on the BBC. It won't be as um, long lived because those type of shows do have a shelf life. Eventually, yeah. that kind of shtick gets old, and people and and interests move on. But th- here's here's what you're kind of glossing over. This isn't the first time he's done this crap. He's never hit anyone before. <laughs> Well, actually, yes. He actually has. He, he punched Piers Morgan in the face once. Well, yeah, um, but everyone can. But they, he got a medal for can that. Salute him for that. <laughs> and you know, I'm trying to play the contrarian here for yeah. the sake of tech fan in our audience. But yeah, I, I love Jeremy. I really do. I, I love that show. Uh, I was really glad that all three presenters went to the new show on Amazon. Because if it had been Jeremy and just two other guys, I wouldn't have been very interested. It's the chemistry of those three people that make me want to watch whatever Amazon's going to do with the show. And my understanding is Amazon's pretty much given them complete creative control. Well, I hope they do, because I think that's the only way to pull it off. What's interesting is the BBC is continuing with Top Gear. They've yeah. taken um, a radio, radio and TV presenter who's very well known here in the UK, a guy called Chris Evans, who's a massive car nut and who has a very big collection of classic cars. And they've given it to him. And um, so it will continue. It's going to be different because he, you know, he's now got creative control over that show. Uh, and obviously, I think he wants to change it rather than ape what uh, what Clarkson and his team did. So, it, in some respects, from the viewers' perspective, we kind of win win out of all of this because we get two car shows rather than one, and and hopefully they'll both be as good as each other. Oh, um, you didn't hear? Think- Amazon's not going to stream in the UK. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that would be suicide. I have to tell you, we, we watch a lot of Amazon Prime streaming, and I think this really, the fact that Amazon got it and not Netflix or um, one of the other uh, streaming companies really illustrates that Amazon is kind of serious about getting into yeah. into media. What do you think of that, Owen? Or Owen? Yeah. I, I agree. I agree with David that that it's a it's a coup for Amazon because it shows that they want to do the same thing that Netflix is doing. Um, I, I have to ask a side question. You watch the USA version? I've never seen the USA version. No, it's him. Oh, yeah, I watched every episode. Really? Yeah. I, I watched like three of them and I couldn't stand it. Did you watch it in the beginning when it yeah. first came out? Yeah, see, it's a different show now. Okay. They got rid of the stuff that I hated the most about the UK version, which was sitting around a couch talking about cars. And it was always supercars that none of us could ever afford, which is fine. It if they're in the car and driving them, but if they're just sitting there talking about, oh, BMW is coming out with this new supercar, I don't care. Uh, And and the insipid, way too long, we're going to bring a star in and we're going to put him in our track and we're going to drive around and he'll make some funny photos and he'll slip a gear here now and then. He'll promote (laughs) his new movie. Jeremy will wax his balls for a few minutes. um, (laughs) And then they'll put, he'll write the incomprehensible uh, lettering that no one could read and slap it up on the board, and the guy will sit forward on the couch. That was so long and boring. I still like that. And, well, they did it correctly, as correctly as you can do on the UK version. I ended up fast-forwarding to half of that. I just didn't care. Um, 
they got rid of all of that for the U.S. version okay. because they were doing that. And as much as I was kind of bored with it on the U.K. version, it was painful to watch on the U.S. version. It was so bad. Just so bad. When I bad. watched the first ones, it felt like they were trying to copy That's the exactly U.K. right. And not doing it well. That's exactly the problem with the show. And I almost gave up on it. But with season two and now season three, which has already aired, they got rid of that formula completely. And it's okay. nothing but the show opens. Here's where we are. Here's what we're going to do. You pick, you know, we all pick a car in this price range that does this, our favorite 70s cars or our favorite vans or okay. whatever. And here's the challenges. That's the whole show now. The best part. I'll so, start watching so give it, it a, and here's the thing <clears throat> the who makes that show is uh Rutledge. He is funny, he knows more about cars than the other two guys combined, and he's one of these guys that you could just tell if you met him in person he's exactly the way he is, and you'd like him so give top gear u s another okay. chance it's It's a much better show than it was when it when it was just simply trying to copy the u k s much better version. Okay, I will. I but I'm excited about. It. I, I I agree with David. We're going to get two two shows to watch. Yep. So, you know, I'm hope I'm hoping the guy who picks up and I and I know his name. I don't know him like you do, David, but I know the guy's name, and I've heard you know radio uh, recordings of him, and he sounds like he's got a great sense of humor as well. So uh, yeah. maybe he'll turn it into something really fun, and you know, even more so. I'm more interested in. <clears throat> What Amazon is doing, what what Netflix is doing. I mean, I've said this on the show. There used to be a time where we go, oh, television is so much better back in my day, right? <laughs> it, in, in the 90s, that was true. Nowadays, television has never been this good. Never. It's yeah. We are in the golden age, which started with The Sopranos on HBO. And it's only gotten better. It's only gotten better. It, it Television is so good now. And we're not limited to just three or four networks and maybe a couple TV or uh, cable channels. What they're doing online at Netflix and Amazon, uh, hell, even YouTube is trying to get into their own original programming as well. It's amazing yep. the choice that we have and the quality we have. I keep adding yeah. new stuff to my queue and it's very, very rare that I'm disappointed. Amazon just came out with a new show that I just added to my queue. I'm trying to remember what the hell it was called. Uh, oh, you know what? I actually put it in my... <laughs> this is how much I was looking for. I saw the previews for the show like a week ago, and I was like, oh, that, that looks really good. Sneaky Pete. Horrible nice. name. Horrible Terrible. name. Mm-hmm. Terrible name. I watched the preview, and I'm like, I'm in. That's going to be awesome. And I cool. added it to my uh, Amazon... Q, but I haven't started watching it yet because I, I, yeah, I think I think this is one of the. I mean, not only we're in a golden age because there's so much good stuff being done. Yep. Uh, you know, the, also as well, some of the genres that that kind of we favor. You know, the science fiction and the the comic books, TV shows, and everything. You, you're seeing this stuff now. It's being produced with movie level special effects, with much better scripts, uh, much much more uh, much more of a of a of a cinematic approach than it ever used to. Yeah, be look before. at Daredevil on and Netflix. I, yeah, so, I mean absolutely. that was so. Have you watched that, Owen? Uh, wait, sorry, am I? Yeah, am we, I said mute. So no, I have not watched that. Oh I god. I for a so you, good. You, you got to go to Netflix and watch. You're going to end up watching every episode back to back. I don't have. Back. I hate to tell you, I'm one of those guys who pays for Netflix discs. I don't have 
Netflix streaming. Oh, you got to Amazon Prime. We have we yeah, have you got to switch. You got to switch it out. Yeah. You got to. Well, switch no, the problem out. is the stuff we watch from Netflix you can't watch on streaming. So we so we still get we're still part of their money maker, the place they sell di- they rent discs. So well, um, get the ad that streaming on because you're missing everything. Okay. The thing about the thing about streaming as well, though, is that you, you get to see stuff you just never would have seen before. Yep. Because you can browse and you can say, "I just want to watch that." My wife has started watching this show, um, "Switched at Birth." It's called. It's one of these ABC family shows where, um, yeah, you know, the kid, the basically the kids get switched at birth. Nobody knows. One of them is a is a deaf girl from across the tracks. The other ones had a very privileged life, and then they, you know, they. At fifteen or something, they find out about each other. Now it's 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 one of those shows that you know I can take it or leave it. My wife is really obsessed with it. But the thing is, without streaming, we never would have even known this thing existed. Yep. You know, and she's getting pleasure out of watching three, four seasons of it. And to be able to do that, I think that's one of the transformative power of of streaming media now is the fact that you actually get to. Oh, well, that looks interesting. I'm going to try it. I'm going to watch it. If I like it, I like it. If I don't, I don't. I'm and, it, and it's even better than DVR because DVR, you see something that may be interesting. Uh, oh, it's not listed in the guide yet, so I can't even schedule the the recording yet. Yeah. And then you forget about it, and then you find out that it's been on for six episodes. And oh well, I can at least go and watch it on demand. Except it's you know it's FX, so they don't let you skip through the commercials. So oh, yeah. it's such a BS existence. <laughs> Exactly. We we have so many first world problems on Tech Fan. <laughs> what is that? What the guy from At Midnight, uh, Chris Hardwick said, uh, was it last night or the night before? He goes, he goes. The problem with Netflix is he spends forty five minutes trying to find something to watch, and by the time he finds something, he's exhausted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that is a case that can be made. Uh, but here's the thing: as much as I watch Netflix, I watch stuff on YouTube as well. And I'm not talking about just you know old ladies hitting a, a burglar no, over the head too. with their purse. There are shows, independently produced shows, that I really enjoy. And uh, it, we just watch, have a treasure trove of content now. I hate to admit, I watched, a, I stumbled on YouTube a show called Star Trek Continues. Uh, one of these fan things. They did four episodes. Yep. They're actually pretty damn good. Yeah. And I'm watching this and I'm going, man, this guy that got to play Scotty is awesome. I mean, he's got. He looks like him. He's got the voice down. Then I went and looked up who he is. He's Scott. He's James Doohan's son. Uh, well, there you go. And so it's like, it was really kind of freaky to watch this, but it, they're actually very good stories. So, like, I'm with you. I spend a lot of time on YouTube finding stuff that's really cool to watch. That was an accident, but the, there's four episodes. I highly recommend them. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. curious about nintendo well check out the nintendo club podcast this podcast is done twice a week we dive into all things nintendo we dive into retro we dive into current games what we're playing what cool nintendo news is going on check it out here at the spotlight network the nintendo club podcast we broadcast this live out every sunday evening starting at 8 p.m eastern check out the nintendo club podcast.com website for more information Back here on Tech Fan number 219, I'm Tim Robertson. We have Owen Rubin with us and David Cohen. We'd love to get feedback. Really easy to do. Simply send an email to the show at techfanpodcast.com or go to techfanpodcast.com and you can leave a message uh, right in the show notes. Of course, every episode of Tech Fan is also posted at mymac.com. Uh, the benefit of being the owner of both sites. <laughs> yeah. So if you comment on the show at mymac.com, uh, I'll see it and we'll uh, read it here on 
tech fan as well. We got a uh, an email, David, from uh, Nemo. We did, yeah. You want to read that one? Uh, uh, sure, yeah. So, um, in fact, were these were this all one email? Is this a couple? I forget. Anyway, um, we he was picking up the stuff we said about Plex, and he said the Roku Roku box and service also supports Plex for FYI. And with Roku, you get decent phone and web support, all very affordable. Plus, loaded with other content, including Amazon Prime and loads more. Yeah, I mean, Roku's had a very good reputation for a long time. I found recently the their, their stuff has started to kind of shoot up in price. They used to be very, very reasonable. Um, but now they're uh, kind of approaching the price of uh, Apple TV and beyond. Yeah, so my problem is that, and I just don't know where I'm going to fit. They're, they're not bringing anything to the table that I don't already have with either my Apple yeah. TVs or my Amazon Fire Stick. Where does yeah. Roku fit into that for me? Well, I got Plex because of the Amazon Fire Stick, right? Yeah. Plus, it's on my PS3 and PS4 and all that. Um, what what does Plex or what does uh, Roku bring to the table? I mean, I don't really need their phone support or yeah. service. Well, I mean, uh, so, yeah, I guess I guess I mean Nemo does a lot of um, support for people, so he's probably got more perspective of what. You know, your average Absolutely. man in the street might enjoy rather than necessarily what we do. You know, we have a problem. We tend to go out to the internet and try and fix it ourselves, whereas a lot of people can't or won't do that. Um, so, so I, that's probably his perspective, and and you know, I respect that completely. Um, I guess the problem that companies like Roku are going to have going forward is that as you know, as we've just been talking about with with Top Gear, as Amazon goes forward and other companies go forward delivering their own solutions and also bringing their own content, what value does Roku add unless they can support all of these different services in one box? And they but can't because they can't well, do Apple well, stuff. Yeah, they're, they're going to get they're going to get cut out of deals, uh, and um, I guess that's their risk. But certainly at the moment, yeah, they are they are a viable solution. They're a great solution. They're very well respected, um, and they could do some things. I do worry about how well they can differentiate in the future. The other thing that he said was um, Adobe releases versions of very complex software that are fine at day one, and they rarely are celebrated for producing robust, clean, powerful products with few glitches or bugs. Well, yeah, I'd say that for their um, you know their pro level stuff, Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, all of that. Flash, unfortunately, you can't put it in that same category. Um, and Flash, and, and also the, the PDF standard, the both, those are both two things which are real security vectors. Um, yeah, and the, they've, the real issues. In, in just this last year, they've shown a propensity to abandon a product and to relaunch something else. They've done yeah. that with iOS. Uh, yeah, but I'm, yeah. With, uh, yeah, all their, all their, um, uh, Oh, and all their stuff that they did on iOS, effectively, they've they've cut out and, and relaunched. Oh, so oh, all of their standalone, like Photoshop Express and everything, they're all being dumped. I didn't because, know that. I don't uh, use them. They, yeah, they want to move to a subscription model. So, you know, it'd be nice sometimes if they put the same level of care and support that they put into uh, Photoshop that they did in some of these other products. But, uh, you know, yes, absolutely, it's their bread and butter. It's, it's the stuff they do best. Um, and, um, you know, I guess, I guess, uh, Nemo wants to reflect that. So you know, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on OWC radio that Microsoft came out with a brand new version of office for Mac and no one gave a crap. No one talked about well, it anywhere. It, well, they didn't talk about it because I think people are bored of talking about office. I think it actually is very important, <laughs> but it's just not very newsworthy. 
Um, I don't know. I, I didn't know, see I, any excitement at all. Yeah, well, yeah, because the the people who report on tech, it's not exciting because it's a corporate product. It it just it's just not. I'm not talking about just the reporting. I'm talking about online venues that I visit. That you know are usually any new big piece of software is going to be discussed, and and it came I'm out, so, and it was just I, yawns. I no, I tell you who's who was very very interested in it. It's all the corporate people who work in corporate spaces and like to use a Mac, and they were thrilled by it. And uh, they, uh, you know, it's more compatible than the older version. It works better. Um, and they were thrilled that it came out first on the Mac rather than Windows because the Windows one's still not out. Um, it's a big improvement, and those are the, those are the sort of people who don't kind of go on the web and talk about it very much. You know, I, I also think it, and this is also Adobe's problem. In the day, back in the day, when there was a new version of Office or there was a new version of Windows, you had to go and buy it or upgrade to it. And so that was newsworthy. Nowadays, you rent those software, so you automatically get these new versions. It doesn't cost you a dime more than what you're already paying. Thus, it's less newsworthy or, or, you know, press worthy. People go, oh, yeah, there's a new version. And yep. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, while we're talking about Office 365... Um, I want to mention something that, I'm, that I, I found out this about a couple of weeks ago, and it's a really, really great tip. So if you go out and buy one of these um, cheap Windows tablets or a cheap Windows PC, a lot of them nowadays come with a year of Office 365 Home yep. uh, or Office 365 Personal uh, standard. And that's great, but it's, it's fairly limited. You can only use it on one device. Um, and you don't get some of the features you get with the other versions of Office 365. The more expensive versions, you can um, you can get um, you can run it on five five devices and a tablet and stuff like that. So it would be nice if you could take that free thing and kind of convert it to something which is useful for Office 365 generally. And you can. What you can do, and I, I only, this, this is a great tip. I only found this out a couple of weeks ago. Is you can you can sign up with a new email address to that Office 365. And then you can upgrade it for by paying one month's fee into a full Office 365 personal account. So you can transform it into something huh. which you know, which huh. is you know it has some value, but something else that actually allows everybody in your family and everything to use it for a year, and it costs you one month subscription. So what oh. you do is you basically. You see, yeah, you sign up for Office 365. You, you, have to, you can't have signed up with a different email address before. So you have to create a new Office email address for this new account. You then um, tell it about your new your Office 365 home subscription. And then you click the upgrade button and you say, I want to buy uh, an upgrade. And it will charge you one month's fee. It's about $8, something like that. And then you'll see that it's then fully validated for 12 months. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. That's a great tip. Yeah. It is. And in fact, even what you can do, if you don't have one of those, you don't have to go out and buy a tablet, you can actually buy on eBay for about $20 an Office 365 home subscription for a year. Yeah, And you can then transform that into the full Office 365 personal for a year with five devices and then one terabyte of OneDrive and all the great stuff you get for, for the price of one extra month's rental. You know, Owen, I want to go back to something in uh, John Nemo's email and what David was saying of what does Roku bring to the table? We obviously know what Netflix is bringing to the table. Um, they're on every platform, and they make their own original content as well now. So they're definitely the leaders when it comes to this. Uh, yeah. Amazon, they're building their own boxes, which Netflix is not doing. But even then, they're still on every console. I mean, you can get it on everything nowadays, right? It's, and, on, my, it's on my $35 <laughs> 
LG DVD Blu-ray. Exactly. And they're making their own original content. Where does that leave Apple, Owen? Do you think Apple kind of has to start looking at original content for iTunes? Because, to be honest, I think iTunes is starting to look like an also-ran when it comes to the streaming stuff. I hate to admit it, I don't... I have an Apple TV box. I can't remember the last time I turned it on. Uh, The only reason I've turned mine on is to watch this Amazing Race Canada. I I mean, I use... Right now, I use, like you were talking about, Plex. I use Plex. uh, And because I can use it with my... um, you know, with the stick, the Chromecast, yep. and my phone, it works just really well. It's best four fifty or whatever it costs five dollars four ninety nine for that little app is great. I I've never bought a Roku because, like you, I, I don't see where it fits. Mm-hmm. I get everything everywhere else. Um, no, if, agree if nobody Apple. had, if you're somebody coming into this new and fresh, and you don't have an Apple TV or Amazon Fire Stick or Roku, is probably a good choice. You know what? It, David sort of alluded to it. It's it's for the person who doesn't want to have to think about how to do it. They just want to plug it in, and it works. And Roku's got a pretty decent interface, and it's easy to use. Speaking of original content, guys, I've got a confession to make. I watched Pixels. I'm so sorry. Yeah. This was one of the worst movies I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. It's it's in the top 20 worst movies of all time as far as I'm concerned. It's wow. it's just a terrible movie on every single level. It's it's horrible. <laughs> I had a friend who said it wasn't it won't even be worth downloading for free. No, it's not. Here's the thing. It, it sets the the whole gamers thing back decades. It's like Adam Sandler thought video gamers are still what they were in the 80s. And that, and we're just going to make fun of that. It, it was, it was horrible. And can someone please tell him he, he doesn't get to make movies anymore. He doesn't make good movies anymore. He uses the same characters. It, it's his stuff is just horrible. I agree. Yeah. I'm so disappointing. Yeah. And it's a shame because it was, you know, it was a great idea. It, it came it, from a great short film. Hey, I was excited um, about it. I'll be honest. Yeah. The, the ads looked entertaining that's all you have to watch is the trailer that's everything in the whole movie anything beyond that is horrible ah okay so speaking of trailers if you haven't seen the trailer for the martian oh that looks good don't don't watch it you need to read that book first yeah i I read yeah i read it one of the most entertaining books i've read in a long time yeah i've got it in my um my uh what do you call it uh that. My Kindle Q. Yeah, read, uh, it's it's one of those books. That the opening line just makes you want to read the whole thing, and because of what the opening line is, I can't say it here on right. the podcast. Um, mm. But I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to put it down, and I ended up buying it on uh, Audible so I could listen to it while I was driving to work. Because I because yeah. I otherwise I was going to sit at home and read and not go to work. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it was it's three great. books out for me right now. I'm reading one book, and then there's a one follow up book. Uh, that I'm enjoying, and then I've got a new T.R. Harris book I got to read. I got to read that oh. one next because bump, it, bump this up. No, I'm 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 friends with. I, look, I I had T.R. Harris on OWC Radio because he's one of my favorite authors, okay. and we became friends. So I I, I can't put yeah. off reading his next. He's a friend now, so I have to read. <laughs> I have to read his first. Did you like the book, David? I I thought it was fabulous. I thought it was incredibly well written, um, despite the fact that it could have been. 
it, uh, early on you start thinking, oh well, you know, this is good, but this this could lose pace very quickly. Yeah, he he was he very cleverly. It starts as a diary of this guy who's marooned on Mars, and it, and you think, oh, well, if he stays like this in this format, it, this might get a bit horrible towards the end. But then he cuts away from that because he realised that wasn't sustainable, and he, and he introduces a, a subplot that is just as good. It was a rattling, fabulous read, and I can't it, wait to see the movie. I'm so excited for it because it was you. it's just. It's, it's such a brilliant book. The guy really has talent. You guys suck. Really you know I've good. got these other books I have to read first, right? <laughs> so, Tim, Tim, the way I explain it is, you remember in Apollo 13, where the guy dumps the two boxes of stuff on the table, and then he picks up two filters of different shapes and says, we have to make this one in my left hand fit this one in my right hand using only this? Sure. The whole book is that. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> yeah. and no, I, I Like I said, I had it in my queue already, and it's actually three books out for me, but... And it's going to stay that way because I really want to finish. Uh, I don't know if the next book in the series I'm reading is the last one or not, but I do want to get to this. Then I got to read my friend Tierra Harris's new Adam Kane book. I have to, uh, and then I'll get to this. So yeah, you you will enjoy it. It's just what I recommend is start reading at about seven p.m. because you're not going to want to go to sleep because you're going to want to keep yeah. turning page and see what happens. It's it's, it's done that well, mm-hmm. and it's it covers science correctly mm. that the science is accurate uh i think except what for found, one yeah reference. I, I read read an interview with with the guy and and the thing is i mean it's it, it's obviously it's very nasa based because it's set in in a in the world of space and travel space right. and apparently that it's it's virtually required reading at nasa now because it so well captures how a mission like that might operate and apparently he's never been there, or he hadn't ever been there. But yeah, when, I bet wow, he has now. If you, you, you think you think, oh, this guy must kind of work in mission control or something because he knows all about it. I no, did. He, he just kind of he just kind of figured it all out for himself. Uh, and uh, you know, they say he really caught the essence of what a mission wow. like that would be. And and really, the, yeah, it's not one of these ones where they suddenly invent <laughs> a hyperdrive or or a teleport to get him off or anything. The science is absolutely <laughs> dead on, and that's one of the things that makes it good because it really makes it believable. So it's uh, yeah, it's a great, great, a great, great uh, book, and I'm hoping it's going to be a great movie. Let's uh, wrap this show up here uh, by talking about video games before we go. I know it's not always the most popular segments of Tech Fan, but it is part of technology. I've got one thing I want to talk about. But first, um, start with you, uh, David. Sony's profits, and we've talked about, and, and Owen as well, we've talked about the struggles that Sony has had over the last few years. Sony's profits tripled as the PS4 sales reached 25 million units worldwide. This is yeah. not an inexpensive console. You know, they didn't try to make this console everything from the get-go like Microsoft tried to do with the Xbox One. They simply concentrated on games and the gaming experience. And yeah. when it was time for me to upgrade to my next this next generation of consoles, I already had the Wii U, I had a choice. Xbox One or PS4. It really wasn't a choice. I I picked up the PS4, and I've been very happy with it. I still want the Xbox One, don't get me wrong. But (laughs) if you can only buy one, i got to say PS4. I mean, uh, it's been amazing, and and its sales are out of this world. Are you surprised is really my question, David. Um, I mean, it it definitely... I'm... I'm more surprised that Xbox 
that that Microsoft dropped the ball so badly with the Xbox One more than I am that Sony. I I think I think it's clear that it's been clear for some time now that that the PS4 is just a far superior product to the Xbox One. It it, it is it why? I th- because it's more focused. It's more focused on what people want to do with it. The Xbox One's got all this other stuff, and people can't, you know, like, what, 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 what do I need all that for? Why do I want to be hooking it up as a DVR? Why do I want to, want to be talking to it? Why do I want it listening to me? Why do I want to dance around in front of a Kinect sensor? All that stuff is optional with a PS4 and always has been. They have all right from day one. Even to the point where when they when they launched the thing, they said, this is about games. And really, games is why you buy a console like that. You know, if you're a gamer, you want a gaming console. And I think that that focus, that uh, focus on what the user wants is really what gives Sony the edge. And that's why they have become more successful than Xbox One. And I completely agree with you. I love my Xbox 360. I really, really... um, But when I go to the next generation console, I'm not going to buy an Xbox One. I'm going to buy a PS4. Owen, you know, gamers... Video gaming in general is more popular now than it's ever, ever been. Ever, 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 ever. No, it doesn't seem to be. It is. And there's a lot of choice out there now. You know, we've got the last generation of consoles, which has terrific games, still looks really, really good, and you can pick up those systems pretty cheap. And they've got giant libraries. You can pick up the new generation, the Xbox Ones, Wii U, um, PS4. But beyond that, We've got the cell phones. We've got the handhelds. We've never had bigger choice when it comes to gaming. Are you surprised that a dedicated console that costs four hundred bucks is doing as well as the PS4? I was actually. I know the guy. So I know the person who was the lead on that. A guy named Mark Cerny, uh, Marble Madness fame, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's why it did well because Mark is he's a genius when it comes to video games. I mean, he's Sonic the Hedgehog guy, right? He was the <clears throat> one of the main guy, character, main guys who helped make that happen as well. He gets video games, and he wanted to design a system that was for video gamers. So what you guys said is exactly the way I think his brain worked around this. Microsoft, I, I found the Xbox One whole thing to be confusing. The Kinect became an option. Yeah, which which is kind of weird because well, they backtracked they, on everything that people criticized yeah. them for in the initial announcement. Every single thing that a, they said. Sorry, if, I'm sorry. If you ever, if you're a game developer, and something is an optional device, you're probably not going to design for it. Not for not the cost for... of how much it costs to develop games nowadays. Exactly. Especially so why AAA would I titles. Add, why would I add these things that might be usable in front my in my Xbox when I know what the PS4 is? I yeah. think David did on the nose. It's a game console. It does what it's supposed to do. Um, Sadly for Sony, they only do a couple things really well these days, and game their gaming systems seem to be one of them. And cameras. And cam- I just bought an Alpha 7. So well, I- beyond that, I mean, your iPhone is using cameras from Sony. Yeah, well, I bought their Alpha 7, you know, compact 35-millimeter style camera with a full-frame sensor. It's an amazing gadget. It's just awesome. But I think... Sony gets this market, and I think Microsoft is struggling to figure out what it is. I think you both are 100% right. Uh, I'm still going to eventually buy an Xbox One. In fact, because I'm uh, an Xbox One Gold member, I've already been going on to the uh, Xbox website. What's and, that mean? Uh, both Sony and Microsoft have these memberships so that you can get free games throughout the year, and it costs roughly like 100 bucks a year. So with uh, Sony, <clears throat> they offer... 
free games on a monthly basis, multiple games for either the PS3 or the PS4. Well, I get them both because I've got both systems. I've got two PS3s and I've got a PS4. So there's free games right there. And it's technically not free because it's a subscription. And if I let that subscription lapse, I can't play those games. But does it mean you get them for a month or do you no, get, you get them, them forever? Okay. As long as you're a member, they're for, they're free to play forever. Xbox has exactly the same thing. Uh, they've really struggled with the free games on Xbox one because it's a, such a new thing for whatever reason. PS4 has only been out for a month longer, and yet it's got a more robust free game section. Um, but even though I don't have the Xbox One, I keep going to their website twice a month when they release these free new games, and I purchase them for nothing. So when I eventually get my Xbox One, it will start downloading immediately like four or five games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's small. Yeah, I think so. We do have a lot of choice, and one of the choices that I made a couple of years ago now was to pick up the Oya, and I got the original Oya, and I've slammed them here on on TechFan because their business model just wasn't working. the The controller itself was just janky junk. I mean, it was horrible. Uh, most people who have a Oya actually use a PS3 controller with it. That's how bad their controller is. Um, it. it, it the company was just seemed to be spiraling out of control, David. Well, not anymore. That company technically doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, the, the weird thing about this is, uh, I, I think, yeah, you, I think you covered it when you when you initially initially reviewed the Oya. It was just a, it was just a a great idea, very very poorly executed. Yeah. Um, what I don't really understand with this is is what the hell Razer bought them for. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't <laughs> because... know, uh, Owen, Razer, the company that makes the gaming mice and keyboards, and they've been talking about coming out with a Steam box <laughs> as well, they bought Ouya. Oi. Oi. Ouya. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand I why they... I, I noticed it sort of had just went dead silent. Well, they got bought out. They were actively courting buyers. That's how bad it was. Uh, and Razor Bottom. Do you think there's any value there, David? I, I don't understand what there is, really. I mean, Android Android consoles are now dime a dozen. Yeah, um, and nobody cares about it. Well, I, I presume there must be some sort of market for them. But And, and, and then we imagine that Razor must see those uh, becoming more popular over time, so maybe this is a future play. But I, 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 don't, I don't understand why... Razer felt they would get value out of buying a failed product to incorporate into their product line, or even they incorporate the technology into their product line. And the technology rather wasn't than, even... Than, yeah. It, it's nothing. I yeah, guess they got a game library. There. there must have been something there. I mean, I, I remember when um, Cisco bought that the flip camera. Yeah. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> it's right. You know, this is a networking company, but when you heard what Cisco said, they went, well, they made cameras trivially easy to use for anybody and they wanted that technology in their routers and their wi-fi so they bought it for like a weird reason so there must be something in oya or something they did that razor sees will add to their product line even if it's not the game console but i think unfortunately that's i mean that example kind of proves the rule really cisco uh, very quickly knifed the baby of the flip um, well the actual product not the technology that not the technology yeah, the, I, I use I use Cisco video conference cameras all the time, and they're the same as they've always been. The, they, no, no, that's if not they what they got, if they if they got anything from the flip, um, it's not visible to me as an end user. I think WPS came from from the guys who did flip. 
the idea that you press a button here and press a button there and they connect. They wanted simplicity in their Wi-Fi routers and stuff. And, and let's be honest, David, when Cisco bought Flip, it was at the end of Flip's lifespan anyways. Cell phones had already eclipsed it when it came to high-definition video recording in a very small form factor. They didn't um, want the camera. No, they said and, and they, they actually didn't spend a whole lot of money, comparatively speaking, especially what Flip's market share was just two or three years before that. I mean, they were everywhere. I, I guarantee you all three of yep. us had a Flip at one time. Yep. <laughs> I, I, they were. They yeah, were. I, I've still got one. I've still got it knocking around somewhere. So, so do I. My my uh, was, Brittany has it their, somewhere. It was their ease of use, and they wanted the guys who figured out ease of use. Yeah, it was that the was underlying the, technology the and the engineering team that they really bought. Yep. So, yep. and I'm wondering if Oya is the same way. I don't think so because Oya was is built on the back of Android. They have a, a halfway decent UI. But nothing that anybody else with even you know basic software skills couldn't come up with. Um, I don't know what they bought them for, so I'm, no. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of this story as time goes on. I'm I'm fascinated by when one company buys another, and it it's not immediately apparent why you do that. Uh, but to wrap up, uh, I got back to my mini arcade. Uh, this was, of course, for those who haven't been listening for a while, I converted my iPad's iCade into an actual arcade with a screen, with uh, you know a power supply, uh, a PCB in there. Uh, I bought a sticker kit to make it look like a Donkey Kong, and both uh, Owen and David has seen that now with these. And I actually built a little uh, a mini marquee that goes on the top of it, which the iCade never had a, a, a marquee. And it yeah. has the Donkey Kong. It looks just like the arcade, too. And yeah, it's very good. I, I actually have Velcroed that on there because it sits low enough where if I'm standing in front of this or sitting in front of it, I can't see the very top of the screen, so I can just move it up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I also picked up um, from this uh, a person on Facebook who really liked these pictures of my arcade. Uh, I was running the 60-in-1 board. He said he had a 422-in-1 board. And uh, he sent it to me. I, I paid him cool. for it, but it was significantly less than a new one cost. And I think a new one's like 100, 120 bucks. This has got 422 games on it. So I thought, it's a bargain. I, yeah, it's right. It's why not? Well, so it must I, be eight, eight times better. Yeah? Well, I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. And really, I just plugged it in. I changed a few settings from the default and it works. I didn't have to, I didn't really have to do anything. And. You know, there was some problems with my 60-in-1 board. A few games, especially like Donkey Kong, uh, you know, that little hammer sounds that it makes when you're hitting the guys with the barrels with the hammer? That sound wasn't in there. So there was some flakiness with the 60-in-1 board. There's a whole lot of flakiness with the 422-in-1 board. I mean, quite a few games are just like, what? This isn't right. So what I've decided to do, because I really had a good time with the kids making this one, I want to build two more, mm-hmm. and maybe not the iCades. I, I think I'll build one more iCade and then one bar top from scratch, yeah. possibly. With the bigger screen. With the bigger and- screen. The next barcade, or the next iCade I make, I'll put this new board in it, the 422 and 1. I'm going to put the 60 and 1 back in the Donkey Kong. Yeah. Uh, the next mini arcade I'm going to make look like a Pac-Man machine. Um, but and then the last one that I build, I'm going to go with uh, 
um, what do you call it? The Raspberry Pi. Right. So there, there you go, Owen. <laughs> so I'm going to build two more of these, an, or another one of these, just because I want one that looks like a Pac-Man, and a Raspberry Pi. Can I ask you a quick question, Tim? Yeah. Do either of those boards have a game called Major Havoc in them? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if... What game is that? Yeah, some obscure <laughs> yeah. thing. They're all MAME, right? Aren't they all MAME-based? <laughs> uh, technically, there, it is emulation. Uh, I don't think it's MAME, though. I mean, when you I looked at your video, and that little options screen that popped up, yep, is right out of Mame. It looks very much like Mame, yeah, yeah. So, so for listeners who don't know, um, the person who develops and created the Atari game Major Havoc uh, happens to be on this podcast, and it's not me or Tim. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that leaves me. Okay. And uh, that's you why I sent you that video, David, because I or uh, uh, Owen, because I figured. You worked in the arcade market. You you might be able to appreciate this. I do appreciate that. Uh. <laughs> what sound is that? Come on, you're talking Um So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to. I still have to do a one last video on this build so I can show because I've got four up at Not New Video Games, kind of putting it all together. And I had one that's like, hey, it's done, but it really wasn't done because I it still looked like an arcade, an iCade. It doesn't look like an iCade at all anymore. I didn't have the screen bezel on it yet. I didn't have the stickers on. So what did you I'll, use for a monitor? Uh, there, I found this 10-inch uh, TV, technically, on Amazon. And uh, that's what I used because it had built-in speakers. I didn't have to run extra speakers or anything <laughs> inside this. I just run a mini uh, okay. plug just to... Just a little LCD television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was it was less than it was like 150 bucks or so. I mean, it wasn't really expensive, but it solved a lot of the problems that I was having with the original screen that I purchased. So, um, I'll get I'll, I'll get this a, video and and uh, done and and get it posted up on the site eventually. I have a dig dug cabinet here that has a couple boards in it, and I've been tempted to do what you did is convert it to a to one of those arcades, either using Mame or something like that. Do you have a Jamma harness in it? I, I do. I don't even know what that is. It has the original harness. So no, it's not Jamma. I, I, if I were you, I would definitely look at a Jamma harness. Uh, okay. Picking up a Jamma harness, which will cost you next to nothing. Uh, if it's got the original power supply, I would probably replace that with a switching power supply. It'll make your life a whole lot easier. You will be able to plug your original monitor into it, um, and then just pick up like a sixty-in-one board for 50 bucks and you'll be good to go so you can get into why not just put an old pc in there with mame on it you can but then you have to redo the control panel uh you have Ah. to replace the monitor uh, and it's going to be a lot more money to put a pc in there to be honest and then you're messing with software forever it's it that never ends um and somebody accidentally hits two buttons at the same time and the pc (laughs) registers that as a you know you want to launch your web browser, and then all of a sudden that pops up. <laughs> then you got to plug your keyboard into it to quit out of that. It's a pain in the ass. Um, a dedicated board for just gaming, if that's what you're making, is the way to go. Now, look, I love my main cabinet. I play that more than anything, even more than the PS4, to be honest. Um, but there's something to be said for a very small form factor or a regular arcade that is just games. It's got 60 games built in or 422 games built in. You select the game you want, you hit player one, it launches the game and you just have fun for five minutes and you're done. You don't have to worry about updating it, connecting to the network, any of that crap. It's just, you turn it on, you play your games and you're done. Okay. 
So, yeah, I mean, power supply, uh, a JAMA harness, a little bit of wiring, not much, because you've already got an arcade. If you want a better screen, you can replace the, what that's, the one that's in there with, like, a 19-inch flat screen. That's what I plan to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all told, you're going to be in it for about 300 bucks. No, it's not bad to get to play a whole bunch more games. No, and... and I'm look, probably going to redo the control panel, though, right? Because I want to put a couple of joysticks on it, a few more buttons so I can... Yeah, but it. that's all cheap. Like, it's it's drilling a hole. Yeah. It's buying another joystick, uh, a couple more buttons, maybe. I mean, a, a yep. joystick and buttons is 30, 40 bucks tops. I just, I just got 12 new buttons for my next project, and it was $15. I, mean, I know people in the game industry. I probably can go find those buttons. Well, I, you know, the buttons aren't a problem. I want s- specific buttons. I don't like... Right. See these, that button? I don't want that kind of button. I want... You can't even hear it from where you are. Much quieter. It's leaf switch inside the button itself. It costs like a bucks extra per mm-hmm. uh, button. But they're so much quieter. You, the throw is next to nothing. So you can just barely tap it and it's registering. And it's not that clanky, clank, 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 clank. So, anyways, that's my update on the iCade. I'm going to build more. Uh, not really happy with this 422 in one board, even though I'm going to use it on my next project, because <laughs> I'm just not going to buy another board. I've got it. Why not? Um, but it's a lot of fun. And I, at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm going to build more because it's a lot of fun. And I'll be honest, if I find a inexpensive Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, or Donkey Kong cabinet... I will buy that, squeeze it in here, and put one of the boards in that instead. So, I'll send you a contact for someone who might be able to help you find that. Cool. Yeah, definitely. It's Finding it's not the problem. It's both the cost and, if it's not anywhere close to me, shipping. It's not right. inexpensive to ship an arcade. This guy's actually building new old arcades. Oh. He's building new cabinets, custom-built cabinets for arcade games. Well, well, tell him if he would be interested in supplying me with a cabinet, I will give him a whole bunch of uh, free PR. <laughs> we, I'll hook you up. Cool. Alright, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Tech Fan. Once again, we'd love to get feedback from you. Thanks earlier, uh, John Nemo, for sending in that email. It's the show at techfanpodcast.com or go to techfanpodcast.com and uh, leave a comment there. Make sure you're listening to my other show, OWC Radio. I have very interesting guests on, uh, if not a weekly, a bi-weekly basis. Uh, and I've got some uh, hardcore Mac guys coming up in both Steve Sandy and uh, Peter. Peter's coming back on the show. Peter, awesome. Peter Cohen. <laughs> no relation to our Cohen. And eventually I have to get both of these guys on OWC Radio, which will be weird because I'm used to talking to you on this show. So to have you on that show and, and do an actual interview with you guys would be kind of weird. But we, but we You've done do it before it. with me, though. I have done it with you on the very original OWC Radio. I think you yeah. were one of our first guests over there, too. I think I was, yeah. So we got to get David. we got to get Owen. And if anybody listening is interested in being a guest on OWC Radio, hit me up. Again, the show at techfanpodcast.com. And with that, guys, thanks for being here. We're, uh, we're out. <laughs>